0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you may be. This is Snapshots in Hockey History. Welcome, 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 and thank you for joining us for the first episode of Snapshots in Hockey History as we go back and relive the hockey highlight reel. My name is Brett Small, and it's great to finally record our first episode. This thing's been in the works for a long time. I've been probably working on this thing for about five or six months. So before I get too far along, and uh, I want to take care of a a few quick items to kind of just get things out of the way, Snapshots in Hockey History will be available via iTunes and wherever you download your favorite podcasts every Monday and Thursday at 8 a.m. This podcast will always be available to you free of charge. I will never ask for a dollar out of your pocket. We're a listener-supported podcast, so all I ask is if you like what you hear, you please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell a friend. If you want more information about the podcast, please check us out at snapshotsinhockeyhistory.com. That's snapshotsinhockeyhistory.com. And also, please don't forget to give us a follow on Facebook and Twitter for exclusive hockey history content. Now that you've heard my voice, let's get to why you're really here. For our first episode, Mike Lawler joins us to discuss his 1986 Stanley Cup run with the Montreal Canadiens. For those that don't know who Mike is, man... He was a longtime NHLer. He played for the Washington Capitals, the St. Louis Blues, the Montreal Canadiens, the San Jose Sharks. I think he also had a cup of coffee with the Dallas Stars. And Mike could not have been cooler when we sat down to finally chat. This was actually the first interview I'd probably done in about 15 years. Hadn't done one since I was in college, or as my friends up north would say, university. And it was funny. About five minutes in, I like completely forgot what I was doing. It didn't matter, though. I, I, I picked it back up. I, I fortunately was able to edit it out. But Mike didn't care. Mike could not have been cooler. He was such a great guy, and in part one, Mike talks about what it's like being a rookie and having to battle his way into the lineup. Now, he also talks about a young goaltender named Patrick Wall and a fresh-faced kid named Claude Lemieux. He describes current Vegas GM George McPhee as a player, which was really fascinating. He also talks a little bit about John Kordick. and I I've got to get back with Mike on John Cudick because this was kind of one of the only regrets I have from the interview. Is, you know, for those that don't know, is John Cudick's a little bit of a polarizing figure in the National Hockey League he was probably one of the toughest all-time fighters and you know he was a real tough guy but his family didn't support his his lifestyle and and support him you know fighting and he had some demons off the ice and had to battle the stresses from his everyday family it must have been so hard for him i can't even imagine i mean think about it on one hand you're living your dream you've accomplished everything you've trained your whole life for you've made it to the national hockey league On the other hand, though, you can't enjoy it with the people that mean most to you because they don't support it. They look at you as just a goon, and they can't believe that you're just a fighter. Now, I'm sure it was really, really difficult for him to deal with, and he's definitely a guy I'd like to definitely learn more about and get his story out there uh, if at all possible. Anyways, speaking of fighters, holy crap, you want to talk about a tough dude? Jesus. I went back and watched some YouTube clips of Mike from his playing days, and I never really thought of Mike Lawler as a fighter, but man, this guy could chuck him. And if you need to see what I'm talking about, just go on YouTube and check out his fight with Paul Gillies. You'll see everything you need to. The guy was a boss. I mean, he was tough. And, and it's funny, you see him, I guess it's been probably 20 years since he played in the league at least, and he still looks like he could step in the league. He still looks great. Anyways, sit back, relax, enjoy part one of episode one of Snapshots in Hockey History with Mike Lawler. I'll tell you, 1986 had to have been a special year for you guys. Um, yes. The season started off though kind of like a roller coaster it seemed like. You guys got hot around December and January. Right. And then towards the end, I mean, I think the last like 17 games you guys went 6-10 and 1. Right. How did you feel going into the playoffs? How did the team feel going into the playoffs?
1: I you know, if you look at that team, we had uh, seven rookies and a rookie head coach. So And maybe it's kind of part of my upbringing that, you know, I wasn't drafted to the OHL and I wasn't drafted to the NHL. So I never, you know, never kind of concerned myself with things from the past. And I never looked too far ahead, truly kind of staying in the moment, because I think that's the only luxury that I I had, like I, I never I was never good enough to have the luxury to to look ahead too far. It was sure. like oh my god I gotta you know I gotta practice hard today in hopes that I don't get sent down sent down tomorrow or I need to play hard in this game because I want to stay in the lineup for the next game. So you know I. I did a little research like i said i was a little nervous about this interview because you know that's 30 something years ago and uh in your memory you you remember like the kind of big general highlights but the the details kind of fade a bit and as i look back and reviewed that year i I was surprised that we got off to such a kind of bad start thank god i didn't get sent down (laughs) you know um but uh you know i think overall i, I was just i was just going day to day week to week or i should say two weeks to two weeks because you get a paycheck every two weeks and you'd get a paycheck, you know, at the NHL level. And you'd be like, Oh my God, I hope I can work hard and get another one in two weeks. Like, this is great.
0: (laughs) it really was that day to day. You just don't know where you're going to end up kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Like I, I had to prove myself. And I think that was, that was very similar. Like we had a really good group. If you look at all those rookies that played on that team that started that season, we all stayed the whole year. And uh, and everybody went on to long, you know, NHL careers. So it was it was a good group of well focused uh, individuals. And I think that even though we got off to a poor start for the season, um, we started to turn things around midway through. I think it was after Christmas we went on a a long road trip out out west to probably Vancouver and California. And it seemed to me that having days off in L.A. that we really kind of bonded, totally bonded as a group. Everybody was, you know, they were more than welcoming and the great teammates, you know, when I talk about the veterans, like right off the bat. But um, I think that trip out to California midway, you know, about halfway through the season was really um, a great bonding experience that the veterans kind of looked at this group of young kids and i don't want to speak for the veterans you'd have to ask one of them <laughs> but uh that they respected us and were like oh these kids work hard and you know they're they deserve to be here kind of thing so um you know then then i think we picked it up again only to sort of falter just before the playoffs but uh, <laughs> i never had that luxury
0: game one is uh april 9th in montreal and unfortunately, you're scratched for this game. Do you have any idea why you weren't given a sweater those first two games, looking back on your career?
1: Um, <laughs> I wonder why they gave me a sweater in the first place. <laughs> 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 but uh, um, no, we had a good uh, good group. And I think it kind of came down to uh, Gaston Gingras and myself, maybe Peter Sabota. in In game one... The Montreal Forum ice surface was a little bit bigger than the the, the Boston Garden. Mm -hmm. And we were a little bit more, you know, skating, passing, free, you know, there's just more room out there, and um, I wasn't the most offensive player. I was more of a defensive guy, and game one, it was like, hey, let's let's open it up and go with some speed and skill, and that's why I wasn't uh, in the lineup right off the bat. I don't remember being disappointed at all or anything because I, I only played 62, 63 games during the regular season. I was kind of always in and out of the lineup and just happy to be there and... Uh, you know, just trying to do my best. And game one, we won. Right? So you, why change the lineup for game two? That, that was not a problem. And uh, we won that game. And then we went to Boston. And uh, Jean Perron told me I was playing. And, oh, my God, I don't think I slept at all that night. I was like, <laughs> I didn't say this, but I'm sure I was thinking, like, why? We're up to games <laughs> to nothing, like. Why change the lineup, (laughs) you know? Uh, But we went into Boston, and it's a smaller rink and more, you know, kind of a little bit more physical play. And I I went in, and I can't remember if it was Peter or Gaston that came out. I think it was Gaston Gingras uh, because our styles were a little bit different. And we went in, and my first game, game, so game three of that series, my first NHL playoff game, I got hit so hard that first shift like three separate times and that was you know that was a welcome there was a welcome to the league (laughs) like early on when i first you know early in the season when i first played and then there was a welcome to the playoffs because man nobody missed a check in the in the playoffs and to this day you watch it and the intensity gets ratcheted up and every check is finished and we won the game and that was we were on to the second round
0: oh my god you guys brought out the broom you sweep the Bruins and and I know that you alluded to that you went on to Hartford for the next round uh it was at in yeah. Montreal and yes the Whalers were kind of the feel-good story it sounded like they got hot at the right time they were you know they were kind of led by Kevin Deneen Ron Francis and and John Anderson and do you remember what the strategy was to kind of shut those guys down? What Jean Perron had preached in the room before the game and said, this is our strategy, this is the system we're going to play? No, I think it was to just carry
1: over what we did with the Bruins, you know, to play play our brand of hockey, just move the puck, you know, and play good defense. Because Patrick Waugh, you know, he he was proving himself, you know. Um, when we And we just played – From the goal out, you know, and we had great defensive forwards and Bob Ganey, Geek Carboneau, everybody, you know, had a responsibility and defense was a big part of our, you know, playing our game and making sure we're aware of everything. So I think, I don't remember anything specific, but I think it was just to carry on with what we did because we started game one in Montreal and I was out of the lineup again, and I'm pretty sure Gaston Gingras went in, and we lost game one, and then I went into game two, and I think it was, we needed a little bit more of a physical presence um, against the Whalers, because, you know, looking at the Whalers team, if I'm proud of all the rookies that came into Montreal that year, the seven of us and the careers that we had, those Hartford Whalers, um, I mean, there's, you know, that core of that group—I mean, they've had a lot of success. A lot of them are still involved in hockey to this day. But that was a—that was a great, a real, a great team with a great bunch of guys, the Hartford Whalers, and. Um, you know, so we just had to play hard, and I think every game was was close in that series, and obviously it went seven games, and we won in overtime. So, um, well, yeah, so, just don't make any mistakes defensively.
0: Oh, I can I can only imagine. You get back in at game two, but one thing is that you alluded to Patrick Waugh is kind of an unknown at this point, right? Um, Jean Perron was actually quoted as saying that Penny, uh, who was I think he got hurt would actually probably carry the load and Wall would at some point go back down to the minors. Did the team have confidence in Wall? Did he have confidence in himself?
1: I don't think so, because I don't don't think anybody considered the Montreal Canadiens like that for that season. For us, I mean, nobody would have bet on us to, you know, they were probably just happy we made the playoffs. (laughs) And then it's like i'm sure the mentality was well patrick Waugh. he's you know doug sotart's a veteran and steve penny had his run and experience but he was hurt and then uh you know let's give it to patrick Waugh. let's give him some experience because you know next year and the years after he's going to need that
0: right. <laughs> well, right.
1: right No. um so i don't think yeah, I don't think we, we definitely, we weren't looking ahead. It was like one game at a time with Boston. And then the same thing, I think we had confidence against Hartford. You know, I don't think, oh my God, we're playing the Hartford Whalers. We, you know, we weren't intimidated by them. We knew we could battle with them and beat them. And, you know, like anything, just we could, we can do that if we work hard and, you you know, which which we stayed focused and we worked hard, and we beat them. But I mean, look, if we had Patrick Juan net and he was, you know, every game he was that much better or steady. and then Hartford had Mike Lede in that right, And again, kind of cheating and looking back at some of the highlights this the last few days getting ready for today, forget Mike Leude, I knew he was good then, but to watch some of the things he, He was a tremendous goalie.
0: Mike was so important to that team. I'm curious your thoughts. Do you think he was a Hall of Fame caliber goalie?
1: I don't know. I I really liked Mike Liute. I respected him in that series because we played game seven in Montreal. And I I might have it a little bit wrong, but I want to say we were up three three to two in game seven. And then Babbage scored to tie the game. So he either made it 3-3 three, three, or he made it um,
0: – I think that was the 1-1. One, one, it was a tie, and then uh, it ended up being 2-1.
1: Babbage nine, tied so. the game up yep. late in the game, and I was – we had a lot of good scoring opportunities on Mike Leute before that, and we didn't score. And I, I was sitting on the bench, and I saw that – puck I had a direct line to watch Babbage's shot go in the net and my first thought was like how are we gonna get a puck past Mike Liu that's that's how good he was playing in game seven and then um, you know not long into overtime Claude Lemieux scored and that was you know the end of it but just relieved to see that puck go in
0: that's another rookie I think that we have to talk about when we talk about this series (laughs) yeah Claude Lemieux, I, I read an article, Serge Savard, who, longtime Canadian player. He right. basically said that Claude got sent back to Junior because he wasn't involved in the play enough, which, thinking back all these years later after seeing him play for however long he played is crazy. What were your initial impressions of Claude Lemieux? I mean, young guy coming up that... I don't want to say was spoiled, but a lot of people said didn't have the work ethic.
1: Yeah, I think maybe Claude and and Claude, I haven't seen Claude in a few years, but I consider him a dear friend, and uh, hopefully our paths will cross sooner than later again. I remember showing up for rookie training camp, and we're staying at the Manuel LeMoyne, a a block away from the old form, and seeing this kid... Like in the elevator, and he had these shorts on. He was just muscles, friggin' just wow. so muscular. It, it, I was like, who is that guy? <laughs> and it was like, it was Claude Lemieux. I'll never forget the size of his legs. And as a, like, um, so I think Claude Claude worked hard. If there was anything, he might have been a little bit cocky or arrogant. You know, um, he he definitely knew what he wanted. He was just probably too young to. Kind of put put it all together, and you know it's one thing about the Montreal Canadiens they they don't give anybody anything. You have to earn it and deserve it, and um, probably the best thing you know that Serge Savard sent Claude back to to junior, and then I think I think they might have sent him to the American Hockey League he too. Yep,
0: yep. He, um, uh, yeah, played quite a bit in Sherbrooke that year.
1: Yeah, and Claude Claude was was pissed about that you know i got all the respect for Serge Sabard and Andre Boudrion and Jacques Lemaire all those people that were involved um, with the coaching staff and the off- front office staff that um, you know they 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 know what they knew what they were doing when Claude came back he 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 had such a great uh, playoffs and a great career after that oh, really four played. Stanley Cups and yeah. i don't know two Conn or whatever he ended up with it's it's remarkable
0: oh he was he was incredible and spoiler alert uh, for people listening he went on to score 10 goals over the playoffs after playing like five regular season games in the nhl only and they were half of them were like overtime goals it was awesome (laughs) it was incredible so one thing i want to kind of go back on a little bit is you've had your first playoff goal uh it looks like it's in game i believe it was in game five do you recall your first goal in the uh in the playoffs
1: no i don't
0: (laughs) you know what we will make it sound like it was amazing it was a breakaway and you scored and never looked back so we'll leave it at that there's an article on you though in the montreal gazette where it says the canadians are lucky to have mike lawler and rick green is quoted as saying he's helped us a lot he's strong he can push guys off the puck and he's heady with the puck and he's always trying to improve pretty good endorsement from a legendary defenseman did you play a lot with rick green
1: yes uh I'm not sure when it kind of when we kind of became defense partners but I think we really complemented each other and then um you know as the so I, I gotta assume we were playing together you know through the end of the season and we played together uh all the time in the playoffs so we we complemented each other we were just a good defensive defensive pairing and you know that's Defense is so important in the playoffs and not getting scored on. Uh, You know, we found our niche and our role and we got a lot of ice time, uh, you know, throughout the playoffs for, for that.
0: And that was one thing that the press continually heralded was how well you guys played defensively. And meanwhile, Patrick Waugh backing you guys up. He's only getting better. Game seven happens. Everybody talks about having guys in the locker room that have been there before and that can kind of lead the way. I know you had Bob Gainey and Larry Robinson. They were kind of from the old school, and this was kind of a transition period with the Canadians. How important were those guys during this run?
1: I think they kept everything calm and 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 steady. There was a, a quiet, certainly a quiet quiet confidence. You know, with Bob Gainey, he, he's a serious individual, and um, he wasn't a rah rah guy. But when he spoke, people listened, and and I, I think. We just had a nice mix of, you know, those veterans that kept everything calm. But we had the youthful enthusiasm of all the young guys, you know, that you. because I think as much as the veterans kind of keep keep the younger guys, you know, from getting too, <laughs> too excited and crazy, um, I think the youthful enthusiasm sparks something in the veterans, too, to keep them engaged in and, and moving, too. You know, you don't want to get too humdrum and been here, done that sort of thing.
0: Well, it worked out. Before I get to New York, I, I want to ask, do you think that Hartford-Whaler series was the hardest of the four series that you would play in? Uh,
1: looking back, yeah, definitely, because it, it went seven games, and I, I believe every game was close. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's funny. Like, once you, once you win you don't really think it was that hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, we beat them. Like, that wasn't that hard. But uh, if you look back, and I'm sure if I watched every game again, I'd be like, wow, that was a lot harder than I – I just remember winning and, and the the joy of being in the locker room and celebrating and, <laughs> and all that. And that's you it. quickly kind of dismiss the, the bumps, the bruises, all any bad things, you know.
0: You guys go into uh, into New York City. You're going to play at Madison Square Garden. You guys pretty much dominate the series. Uh, early on, Matt Snazlin and Bob Ganey make it 2 nothing in game, or 2-1 in game one. Game two, you guys really put a pounding on the Rangers. Beezer gets pulled. Uh, George McPhee, who's now known as the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, GM, likes right. Nick's Carbino. And 15 seconds later, has to answer to John Kordick. For people that don't know you know, George McPhee when he was a player and also don't know who really John Kordick is. Could you describe right. those guys a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> George McPhee,
1: he, he's not a very tall guy. I don't know what he stands at, but he wasn't the biggest. 5'8",
0: yeah, uh, not tall at all.
1: Wasn't the biggest guy up there. But that, that guy could fight, and he fought anybody and everybody. Like, he was just... He was as tough as they came. And then for John Kordick, he was young and was able to fight. He he was a big kid coming out of the Western Junior League, and he he was skilled. It's it's unfortunate that he's kind of remembered and known for just a fighter. But, um, you know, he could skate and pass and shoot and do all that. I mean, there's a lot of respect for them, and I and I laugh when I see George McFee like doing what he's doing with the Vegas Knights, and, and knowing that people just don't know his history and how tough he is. <laughs> I mean, so. and,
0: and what was crazy to me is in the eighties, the college guys all were They still do. They all wore cages, right? And it's it was kind of rare, at least in my opinion. Maybe, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. That the college guys came out and were you know, real aggressive and were fighters. And he was a Hobie Baker winner. He challenged everybody.
1: Wow. I didn't know that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he won the Hobie Baker. I was like blown away by that. I was like, you gotta be kidding me.
1: I was just like, oh, George McPhee, he's tough. I don't need to go near him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Was there anybody else you played against that you just saw and were like, okay, I'm going to stay away from that guy?
1: There There were a handful of guys that really Put fear in me, I'm sure, through other guys through the league. Uh, you know, there was Rick Talkett and Wendell Clark and Cam Neely, and, you know, I, I'm, there's a couple guys I'm sure I'm forgetting that <laughs> deserved to, you know, the, this group that were really good skilled hockey players that could fight and not only fight, but, you know, they could end people's careers, you know, like that's how strong and tough they were and such good fighters. And those are the guys that you, you know, you just didn't want to, you had, you you couldn't avoid them, (laughs) but you certainly, they weren't the first guys you were going to two hand or slash or, (laughs) um, you know, play dirty against, you know, because if they didn't like, you know, if your stick got up too high or, you know, you did something, then they uh, they would challenge you and you'd have to answer for that. So, you know, there were other guys that, okay, yeah, he might not like this slash, but really, right, right. <laughs> if we end up fighting, I'm probably not going to lose my career over it.
0: You guys have game three. Claude Lemieux scores another overtime goal. But the talk is not Claude Lemieux, it's Patrick Waugh again. And Doug Sodart comes out and says he's the best goaltender I've ever seen in the playoffs. I don't think anybody has ever been as consistent. You witnessed it firsthand. <laughs> is that so that the game go- goaltending you saw? Game three
1: was in New York, right? Yep. We, we opened up the first two games in Montreal. We yep. go to New York, and we go into overtime, don't we? Yep. And for whatever reason, we cannot get the puck – out of our end. It had to have been at least t- 10 minutes of the overtime period. I don't know. The only times we got the puck out of our end were to ice it or, you know, whatever. It just felt like it, they were, we just couldn't get out out over our blue line. And they kept hammering at the net. And, you know, the, the whistle would go. And we'd do a line change. And, you know, Coming out, uh, I remember playing a fair bit, you know, that game and coming out in overtime and getting ready for the faceoff, either to the left or the right of Patrick Waugh. And you'd come out and you'd kind of tap him on the pads and you look through his mask. (laughs) Patrick was a slight kid at that age, you know. Oh, he looked uh, so
0: young. He looked like he was 12. his
1: eyes were sunken in and his, there was like nothing there. It was, like, <laughs> um, you know, you're wondering, how, how's this kid standing up? He's making save after save. And, you know, for like 10 minutes, the, the pressure was on us. And then finally, I'm not sure we get a break and I think it's Claude Lemieux and maybe Mike McPhee that go down or or maybe Carbono, whoever it was, but I, I think Claude Lemieux scored the overtime goal in that game.
0: You are correct. It was Claude Lemieux with another OT goal. Yeah, and, uh, it kind of is becoming a common thing here. And for Game Four, you guys, that one slips by, but Game Five, you guys close it out. Right. Um, and you know, it was a little bit of a rough game. You're getting ready. You're you're at the Forum at this point, and you're going to the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> I mean, I can hear it in your voice just just now when I say that. What's the emotion like in your in your mind?
1: Well, uh, I think again, it's like wow, we just beat the New York Rangers, and we were presented with the um, Prince of Wales Trophy on the ice. And you know, I don't think things sink in that quickly. <laughs> um, sure, that uh, it's like wow, we we beat the New York Rangers, we won another round. That's the best thing and then uh you know to win the prince of wales trophy and you know to kind of celebrate that night and maybe the next day because during during that playoff run we stayed in a hotel even in montreal oh wow the team did so you know we were staying over on um, oh man i guess the south shore i think that's what it's referred to kind of out in the middle of nowhere it was a sheridan hotel and so i guess we were we were sequestered um throughout the playoffs but you know when we like when we beat hartford and you know game after game seven we you know we went out and we went home and i'm not sure what day you know we met at practice and then you know we were we'd be back at the hotel so that was kind of the routine and so after the the New York series, you know, to just go out and and to be free, for lack of a better word, sure. you know, um, and then you show up to practice the next day or whenever we did practice, um, now you're starting to focus. Say, wow, we are going to the Stanley Cup playoffs, but I want to say that the St. Louis Blues and the Calgary Flames, that series... Um, wasn't over yet. Correct. And I think they went seven games. So we probably had a couple games that as much as we were excited and knew we were going to the Stanley Cup playoffs, we didn't know who we were playing. So it's a little bit harder to to truly focus until you know who your opponent is.
0: So according to the newspapers, uh, game seven with Calgary and St. Louis, you and Chris Chelios hung out and watched the game together. Do you remember – bonding with some of these other rookies, like, well, Chelios, I guess, had been in the league for a year, but was there anybody that you became particularly close to? Scroodland, Lemieux, anybody like that? Well, uh, Brian Scroodland and I, were
1: the same age, and he came out of the Western uh, mm-hmm. Junior Hockey League, and I came out of the OHL, and um, neither of us were drafted to Montreal, so we both walked on, and um, that, uh, and then we played the first year in the american hockey league in nova scotia Mm -hmm. so we were teammates there and then the following year we both ended up in sherbrooke quebec in the american hockey league and we lived together so then you know he was number i was number 38 he was number 39 and you know that to start that 85 86 season it was the last day of training camp training camp officially ended and that's when you know, I went into the coach's office and Jean Perron told me, congratulations, you made the team. And then either Brian went in just before me or just after me. And so we were ecstatic that we had both made the team and then stayed with the team all year. Brian, by far, is, you know, my closest friend, uh, ho- you know, from hockey and still is today just because we've been through so much. Oh, sure. And, and, uh, but Brian got married that summer before we went to Montreal, and so we still hung out a lot, and we were best friends. And but I lived uh, across the street from Bob Gainey, so Bob Gainey was really a great mentor for me, and I got really close to him and his family. And uh, you know that was, you know that. For me to be, I think Bob's ten years older than me, so I would have been 22, 23 at the time. And here's this, you know, ten plus year veteran of the Montreal, captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, you know, it was just nice to have him as a friend. And yeah, you know, we we lived. It was a twenty minute walk to the forum from where we lived in Westmount, and uh, so we, you know, a lot of days like we walked to the rink and back and stuff. It was it was good. So, yeah, I'd say Bob was, you know, just a great, great mentor for me. And then and everybody, I mean, you you can't win a championship without great friendships and chemistry and, you know, caring for one another. And that, you know, that developed, um, you know, throughout the season and with each round of the playoffs, it, it just became stronger.
0: So that's interview part one of the Mike Lawler 1986 Stanley Cup Finals run. And what a great interview. I I really it was interesting talking to him about the Hartford Whalers. And I know he didn't really go much in depth with it uh, during the actual interview itself. But I mean, gosh, he wasn't kidding. That Whalers team just off the top of my head had Ron Francis, current GM of the Carolina Hurricanes, had Ray Ferrero, current National Hockey League uh, NHL Network analyst. Joel Quinville, current coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. It really consisted of a lot of people that are still involved in hockey to this day. Anyways, hope you enjoyed the first episode of Snapshots in Hockey History. Please go ahead and download part two for the rest of the interview. We talk about winning the Stanley Cup. Mike tells us about why you don't mess with Chris Nyland and also what the Montreal Canadiens did to celebrate. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Snapshots in Hockey History, on Twitter at Snapshots In. Check out our website, snapshotsinhockeyhistory.com. And please, 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 please leave us a five star review on iTunes or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. That way we can continue to grow Snapshots in Hockey History. So that's it. I'm out. Have a great rest of the day. We'll talk to you next time.